This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download. I'm Tom Duncan. 2018 champ, Ethan Hamilton. And uh, we are looking forward to week two of the 2020 season right now and trying to get you ready here on a Saturday morning for your uh, Sunday lineup. So uh, if you're listening to this before Sunday, maybe Monday night, um, we'll try and carry you through with any inv- or injury information, although um, there are better sources than us. But the other thing is, is trying to give you the best analysis we can to um, figure out who to put in your lineups. Uh, just to round off, uh, I'd like to repeat, um, please, if uh, you're a regular listener of ours, uh, we would appreciate if you would share the show uh, on any of your social media platforms, um, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Instagram, um, even some of the lesser ones. Um, but uh, we would appreciate your uh, following and uh, maybe getting a, a bigger listener base uh, so that we can continue to kind of grow the show as we go along. Uh, we're still in kind of our infancy. This is the first uh, set of weeks that we're actually doing a season show. We've been mostly uh, in the off season so far, so we would appreciate any of that or any feedback you may have. Uh, you can write to us at the dynasty download 10 or excuse me, dynasty download 10 at gmail.com. I don't want to put the the in there and confuse people, but dynasty download 10 at gmail.com. Send us a question. Um, tell us we're idiots. Um, pick a fight with us. One of those is uh, definitely encouraged. Um, but uh, like I said, we're uh, planning on to having these regularly at least two times per week uh, as we go along. And um, we don't have any great listener roundup, but we do have a couple of trade valuations to kind of go through to top off the show. So this morning, uh, as I'm drinking my uh, morning coffee, as I want to do on Saturdays, and kind of getting ready um, for the college slate on a Saturday morning, uh, I got a question from a member of our league. Uh, I am a Cortland Sutton owner. He is currently out, or at least was out Monday night. They're very optimistic about him potentially playing against Pittsburgh this weekend. Uh, I am not so much because I think, uh, if I remember right, going back to my history with AC joint injuries, which is a shoulder injury, it's basically the um, joint that holds uh, the shoulder together uh, with uh, like the collarbone area type of thing. And uh, uh, Sam Bradford had one at Oklahoma and I think uh, early 2006, 2007, something like that, um, was out for multiple weeks, usually three to four Um, Now, that was to his throwing shoulder, and I don't know what it's going to be, but for a wide receiver, you definitely need a large catch radius, so I don't know how he's going to be back this week or even necessarily next week and be effective, but what do you think right now the uh, valuation is of Cortland Sutton? A lot of people had him kind of in that 30s round overall, all positions, uh, kind of going into the draft. That was kind of his ADP stock. Um, kind of a wide receiver two, maybe uh, low end wide receiver two with some upside type of uh, situation due to the offense that he was in and being in his second year with Drew Locke. But where do you see him currently as far as value? I feel like he's somebody that you need to have and need to be patient with and hold on to. I know um, when you drafted him, I think you took him like a couple spots before I was about to pick again, and he was the one that was up on my board. So um, I may be showing a 
bias just as much as you did because I've been a fan of his since day one, but you got to hold on to him. I feel like Drew Locke is a competent quarterback, and um, Cortland Sutton is for sure a part of their plans for the, for the future. So he's a guy that I really liked out of college. Um, he was a guy I had on a couple of different college fantasy teams, um, and it's another guy that after his rookie year I selected in the second round, I think, last year or maybe the third round, kind of like I did with Paris Campbell this year. And he kind of took off in that mid-second year, especially after Emmanuel Sanders left. Uh, I think he has the potential to still be their number one, uh, especially if that offense gets going under Drew Locke. I think I would be selling low on him right now because everybody has kind of talked in the offseason. A lot of buzz has been around Jerry Judy being a a great wide receiver, especially out of the slot uh, that they drafted K.J. Hamler. They still have... um, the uh, or Deshaun Hamilton and Noah Fant, you know, obviously had a great week one. He's been a big um, surger as far as uh, pass catchers out of that offense. I, I wonder if people are forgetting how good Cortland Sutton can be and the fact that he didn't have a great last half of the year with Drew Locke. Uh, I'm wondering that if the valuation right now is low enough that people are in the buy low mode and thus I'd be in selling low. And I hate, it's like the people that try and get out of the stock market once uh, a particular stock starts to dip. You you don't want to sell low. Um, So my inclination is to hold on to him. Now the specific trade I've been offered at the moment is either a fourth round pick for him, which I think is extraordinarily low. I think at worst, he's worth a second round pick in a rookie dynasty rookie draft. Um, he said he would have offered a third round pick, but he gave that to you in the Noah Fant deal. <laughs> and uh, so you already know who we're talking about, but or Cortland Sutton for Devontae Parker. Now that's a little bit more intriguing where... I could see it, but Devontae Parker to me, now, is this the Devontae Parker that we got at the end of last season? Then that could be fascinating, but he came out week one. Um, We didn't see a great uh, Dolphin offense. Now, given they uh, were playing that vaunted uh, Patriots secondary, so I don't think anybody's going to look particularly good against them, at least to open the year. Uh, And so, but he also got hurt and might be out for a couple of weeks as well as... uh, Cortland Sutton. So my inclination is to kind of stand pat unless I get a a very big offer, which right now I have not gotten. Um, So again, I think this is to encourage the listener that if you have a player um, that is, especially on the younger side, kind of maybe stay the course a little bit and see where they pan out. Um, for, I'm trying to think of what, what's a good, a couple of, uh, other examples of, um, maybe not necessarily rookie running backs, but like second year, third year wide receivers that you kind of need to just, uh, hold on to right now and see where they, they end up because, I mean, we've already seen it. Um, and it's going to be somebody that comes up here, uh, momentarily, um, Devante Parker kind of broke out in his like third or fourth year. Um, Calvin Ridley is starting to really push forward. I think this is his third year. Uh, DJ Moore pushed forward in his second year. I mean, a lot of these guys, these wide receivers, if you get them in their second or third year, that's, that's kind of the thing you need to hold on to them and see how they develop. Chris Godwin, you know, I think he broke out like his third year. Maybe it was what it was, but it could be. Um, yeah. 
I remember having a conversation with you about it. I was trying to include him in some trade talks and you're like, well, I don't think, um, cause he hadn't shown anything yet, but I, I, I trusted what I saw when I was watching his tape and everything like that. I knew he was a playmaker. Um, so I held on to him and I'm really glad I did, but I mean, I feel like Cortland Sutton has not that type of potential where he's, you know, I don't feel like he's going to be, uh, a top five wide receiver in this league. And I'm not even saying that Chris Godwin is one of those either. Um, I do think Jerry Judy takes over the number one role by the end of this year, if not the beginning of next year, because I think Jerry Judy is just that good. But that's not to say that this Broncos offense can't have two really good um, fantasy relevant wide receivers. Um, So I would stick, I would stick with Cortland Sutton personally. I'm not huge on Devontae Parker. I'm not, I, I don't see it. And I'm the inconsistency of him really frustrates the hell out of me. I'm encouraged if I'm an owner of him uh, that he had a good second half of last year. I'm discouraged by his early injury history here this this season. And realistically, before I'd ever try and buy any stock on him, if I'm not a current owner, I think I'd want to see it again. That that, that's basically my take on it. Uh, Unless you're going to buy low on him, which I don't think any owner is going to let you do. Um, it's it's a wait-and-see type of approach as far as him individually on his valuation. So another trade that we discussed last week in our preview episode that, um, just to kind of give the update, uh, Brandon Ayuk from the 49ers did not play last week. Uh, the 49ers are really banged up at wide receiver. Um, Debo Samuel, who we thought might play week one, is apparently out at minimum three weeks uh, with a recovering from his foot injury. I think they put him on IR um, just for the three-week designation. But Ayuk is supposed to play this week. The offer I had on the table was for Jordan Howard, who I think had three carries for eight total yards and one touchdown uh, against um, the Patriots on Sunday. Um, he has since been dropped this morning by Ed uh, in favor of picking up, said Drew Locke. Uh, I just, this is one where uh, had I made it, I would have been really regretful. Uh, and this is why I wanted to see a couple of the games, especially when we don't have preseason to work with, where you can make more informed decisions. So uh, finally, our other favorite trade valuation topic. I'd like to see where your head's at as far as Cam Akers right now. Cam, I I want to know how you feel about Cam Akers right now. So I'm encouraged by the amount of work he got. Um, although they did give a couple of carries to Jarrell Henderson Jr. And it's one, I think that three-week period where you could really see how that Rams running game molds in, I don't think this is a particularly good matchup for them this weekend. That Eagles defense has a really good front seven, and they're um, really menacing against uh, rushing teams. So I don't think any of those backs are going to be having a, a particularly good day. So I'm not going to read too much into this weekend's game. I guess uh, I don't know what the Rams schedule is going forward. Um, I don't know who their week three opponent is. I suppose I can look that up here. The uh, Rams play Buffalo at Buffalo on or in week three. Uh, that's also not a great matchup. So I, I don't know, honestly, where I'm going to be sitting on, on Cam. I do like... Um, the fact that he was in, he got some passing game work a little bit, but I think he's a work in progress and that's what you could expect a little bit out of a guy who had no preseason that they had very limited workouts. Um, 
I'm actually kind of surprised how uh, effective like Jonathan Taylor and CEH were last weekend already. And, you know, Dobbins was getting um, some goal line work already. So Akers, he's still a high ceiling prospect, but, uh, and I, I don't want to quit on him. I'm certainly not discouraged by the the rate of usage. It's just one of those where, I haven't seen it yet, so it doesn't give me um, great warm feelings yet that he could really be that guy quite yet. So uh, (laughs) let's move into Thursday night's game. The Cleveland Browns win at the Cincinnati Bengals 35-30. Joe Burrow ends up uh, with more passing yards than Baker Mayfield, but the Cleveland Brown offense looks a whole lot better than the Bengals offense. I am encouraged by how well Joe Burrow, even though in two losses, has been competitive, has kind of been a warrior. He ends up throwing over 50 passes in this game, targeting A.J. Green 13 times. Um, The leading receiver for the Bengals happened to be Tyler Boyd. And so I think some of those things, if they get ironed out, uh, you like the fact that uh, they have Auden Tate, they have Alex Erickson, but they really, they have three pretty good guys after that in uh, T. Higgins, who was part of the game plan and and did quite a few things. Um, uh, They uh, got the ball to Joe Mixon at least uh, four times in the opening quarter as far as receptions, uh, A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. Um, Yeah, let's talk about the Bengals for a second. Um, Joe Burrow, my goodness, Captain Cool, you feel like when you watch him play that he's been playing in the NFL for his entire life. Um, Just the way he commands the huddle, uh, you can tell that he's a leader. And I'm not surprised that he's got the C patch on his jersey as a rookie. Um, I started him on week two. I I, oh, you I did. just had a feeling. Yeah, I did. I I, I sat Carson Wentz because his offensive line is a joke. And Joe Burrows isn't much better. But I liked what I saw week one. And he was playing the Browns. So I'm like, why the hell not? Uh, he got me like 30 points. And so, um, and I remember, if you remember correctly, me talking after the arch. I took Joe Burrow out of, not because I wanted him, just because I thought he was the best player available at that time. And um, I'm really starting to be happy with that decision that I made. Um, But then let's go into A.J. Green. 13 targets, but does he look old? I don't know if it's just he's not conditioned yet because there was no training camp or anything like that. Um, But he looks kind of like a shell of himself. But maybe they have a plan for him because they keep feeding him the ball. I'm encouraged by the targets. Not by the receptions, and I think some of that is a, a timing issue and um, a practice issue, which could get ironed out. I still think A.J. Green's effective, but it's like uh, a guy at the end of their career um, that doesn't have the their A gear left or their number one gear, and so his speed is clearly gone. He's had too many leg injuries, foot injuries, ankle injuries over the last couple of years to ha- retain that level of speed. But can he be a big-bodied wide receiver that can um, get a lot of goal line work, uh, red zone work, um, middle of the field work? Can he make that transition that like Larry Fitzgerald did a couple of years ago to be a more effective wide receiver in that particular regard? I think he can if they use him correctly. Um, I still think if you're looking for possession receivers, um, I'd be more encouraged by Tyler Boyd. But um, Joe Burrow ended up uh, highlighting a unknown tight end. So 
So Burrow may be very tight end friendly, and if they ever draft a guy that's you know worth anything uh, going forward in that, that may be a potential sleeper in the next couple of years. I really like Joe Burrow. Um, I thought even though you drafted him, you weren't encouraged by it. It was a guy I was potentially looking at if he dropped a little bit further. Um, at the two slots I had in the second round, I think you took him in the second round. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I would I would have really seriously given him consideration in the third round this year, um, particularly because I thought he was going to have a, a, at least a little bit of rushing quality, which he already has. He had a rushing touchdown week one. He had a little bit of rushing in this game, which keeps the floor a little bit higher. And I think if they ever figure out this offense with the amount of guys that they have, that he could be very valuable. Uh, the fact that he got you 30 points. Uh, I'm a little surprised that you pulled the trigger, but it was a good call by you because honestly, um, you know, I think Carson Wentz could do a lot of things this year. Uh, but right now with his offensive line in such a, a flux with so many injuries and the rest of it, and we, it looks encouraging that Lane Johnson, their right tackle is going to be uh, available for week two. But against a um, defense like that, uh, this week where um, they're playing the Rams and Aaron Donald, uh, do you really want to chance it? So I, I think that was an encouraging call. Also, Joe Burrow this year, if you're thinking about potentially starting him as a spot starter, he's going to have a lot of garbage time. I mean, he threw over 50 passes in this game out of necessity. Like that defense is terrible, especially right now where Geno Atkins uh, and um, uh, former Packer and Lion Mike Daniels were out for this game. And they were able to run and throw and do play action. You have to imagine that Joe Burrow is going to be doing into a lot of soft coverages because it's late in the game and getting a lot of garbage time points. He had 316 yards in this game, three passing touchdowns. He lost one fumble, but still, uh, I think there's a lot of room where he could uh, crack the top 10 weekly. Um, and for the season, maybe be in the top 15. Not, not maybe, probably will be in the top 15. I mean, there are a lot of talented guys ahead of him, but that's not a bad option to have uh, as your backup. All right, so uh, let's move over to the Brown side of things. Uh, as a guy who holds uh, stock in Odell Beckham Jr., uh, who holds stock in Kareem Hunt in two leagues, and uh, drafted Nick Chubb with his second overall or second round pick uh, in his redraft league. I was encouraged after what was a absolutely horrible week one um, for most of the Browns players. Odell Beckham was targeted 10 times, only caught three passes for 22 yards. Um, and the fact that uh, Kareem Hunt out, uh, rushed uh, Nick Chubb, the fact that both of them had a significant amount of carries. Now, uh, granted, Kareem Hunt's were mostly in the fourth quarter when they were basically sitting Nick Chubb and they were trying to basically sit on the ball. But Kareem Hunt had two touchdowns, uh, Odell Beckham had one touchdown, and Nick Chubb had two touchdowns and over 100 yards rushing. Um, a great statistical output. And the less you ask of Baker Mayfield to win you the game, probably the better for the Browns. Um, the fact that Kevin Stefanski, who comes from that Vikings offense, um, is willing to give his running backs the ball and basically only ask things of his quarterback that are in play action is probably the formula to win for this team because, uh, frankly put, Baker Mayfield is probably a lesser version of Kirk Cousins right now. Yeah, I would say that. I would if you have those running backs, you run the freaking run the freaking football. 
You run it, you run it, you run it, you run it. Um, if you can get through a game with Baker Mayfield throwing the ball under 20 times a game, I feel like as the Browns, you're going to be in a really good spot. Um, I don't know if that's what you want to hear for OBJ, but... Well, can he be effective with limited amounts of receptions? He is a big play wide receiver waiting to happen. We saw that the other night. They had a rollout on a, a naked bootleg off of a play-action pass, hit him down the field for, I think, at least like a 40-yard touchdown. And that's kind of what you want to see out of him. Uh, he only had four catches but 74 yards in the touchdown, um, making it for um, roughly about uh, – didn't have my lineup up 18.4 total fantasy points in our league now it's a half point PPR so he may have uh, better in um, regular PPR formats but um, again Kareem Hunt had over 20 points Nick Chubb had over 20 points for running backs that's a great return um, and I hope to see a little bit more as they kind of go along Um, the Browns end up having Washington next week which it scares me a little bit with that defensive front um, how effective they're going to be uh, again or running the football. But after that, they've got Dallas, they've got Indianapolis, they got Pittsburgh, which is challenging, Cincinnati, Las Vegas, Houston, Philadelphia, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Baltimore. And in those three um, playoff weeks, now they do start off with that Baltimore week in week 14, but uh, you've got the Giants and the Jets right in those prime spots. So you could be maximizing out in your uh, championship games or your semifinals uh, on Browns players. So this might be, it may not be the time right now, now to uh, buy low on them, but um, potentially encouraging signs. So, uh, all right, let's move forward. Uh, we'll hit uh, the Sunday noon games first. Uh, Lions at Packers, uh, basic overview for this one. Um, Kenny Galladay is out again. Uh, the Packers offensive line has some struggles. They have a few questionable players, um, but uh, mostly the offenses that were on the field week one are going to be the offenses that we get in week two. Um, where are you looking for in this game or things that you're um, thinking are going to happen? Um. Lions are six-point dogs. Personally, I feel like that's pretty generous. Um, I don't think this defense is in fantasy, but just for whatever it's worth. They also lose their uh, two best defensive linemen, including uh, Nick Bosa, to ACL injuries that are going to have them out for the year. Um, I had my, I guess, um, I, I wouldn't say it's sleeper. I can't remember the exact phrase I used, but my guaranteed guy who was out going outside of the top 10 who could be a top five running back for the week uh, as Raheem Mostert and after he ripped off an 80 yard touchdown from the first play from scrimmage and had a second one called back I felt pretty confident Uh, he ends up with only about 20 points but I'll call that a one a win so the question I do have for you though is uh, are you counting on anyone from either of these teams right now no um George Kittle, that's about it. He's probably going to get just peppered with targets. Like George Kittle, you saw what Jordan Reed did uh, with George Kittle not being there and then guys getting hurt. He had eight targets, two touchdowns. So I think if you're a George Kittle owner, which you are, I think you need to be happy as hell um, with what's going on. Obviously not glorifying injuries and all that other stuff, but the opportunity is going to be there. Um, Nobody on the Jets, nobody even before this on the Jets, but can we take a moment and see that Frank Gore had 21 carries? That's crazy. He is, He's 36 that's crazy. years old. That's crazy. 
he's it's by far carries. the second or the uh, uh, oldest running back in the league and has been for quite a while. I mean, the guy is a, an absolute marvel. He's like Methuselah, and he's out there, and he's toting the rock. It's uh, unbelievable. As far as the Jets, other than maybe Jamison Crowder, and that's more of I'm going to hold on to him, but I – I, I'm still not buying any huge um, benefit of the Jets because clearly Adam Gase doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. But uh, the 49ers, everybody's going to uh, discuss how Garoppolo is going to be out for a significant period of time. I do want to remind people that Nate Mullins was the quarterback, along with two other like third string guys, when George Kittle set the yardage record for tight ends. So it's not like he's a, a bad backup that can't produce or throw the ball to guys. Uh, Auk is already there. Jordan Reed actually looked okay. The question has always been whether um, he's going to avoid concussions because I'm very scared for him still playing football, to be quite honest. Um, Debo Samuel is going to be coming back in a couple of weeks. I don't think Kittle plays this week, but after that, I think they have receiving options. And if you listened to me last week, I hammered this point home. Tevin Coleman's out. Raheem Mostert's out. They're probably out for several weeks. I said... Jarrett McKinnon needs to be owned. I put him on my waiver wire claim list. I had him high on this whole thing. I said he was a guy to look out for. And while he may not have gotten a ton of carries, he was a guy that was highly efficient, scored a touchdown, probably just missed on a second one. They paid him a lot of money. They've kept him around through two season-ending injuries the last couple of years. This was a guy I was high on. If he is available in your league, Go get him now. Um, insert round of applause, standing ovation sound, please, producer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rams and Eagles. Uh, Cam Akers goes out on the third carry of the game. He's a guy I only mentioned because we've talked about him a ton in this game. Miles Sanders pops back and um, uh, looks really good for uh, his first-round valuation, at least in ADP. But the real story of the game was Jared Goff tossing three touchdown passes to uh, playoff hero last year, Tyler Higby. Uh, the Rams win 37-19 to at Philadelphia. The question I have for you is, who wins the Rams running back job, and can Miles Sanders pay off his round one ADP? Henderson has got a stronghold on it right now. Um just because he's a younger guy, Malcolm Brown is obviously the older statesman. Um, and Cam Akers is hurt, and he hasn't been super productive yet. Um, so right now, I would say it's Henderson's job to lose. Um, then going to Miles Sanders, 20 carries first game, uh, just shy of 100 yards. Um, he got he got seven targets out of the backfield. I'm a Miles Sanders owner. Yeah, I feel very comfortable with where I took him. I feel very comfortable that he's on my team. Um, that being said, his team needs to be better. Um, Carson Wentz has little time to do anything back there. Um, he didn't get sacked at all in this game, but was pressured a million times. Um, and then, obviously, if they get down big, that takes away from Miles Sanders' rushing ability. Yeah, he gets a little more receiving yards, but still, game script doesn't really work out for a running back when you're trailing all game long. Um, Jalen Rager was... Um called out this week for a minimum of eight weeks with a shoulder injury. I know you were high on him, but that's that's going to be a setback. I just want to mention that Malcolm Brown did finish the game, but he, le- he uh, left the week with a finger injury, which he apparently already had surgery on. They do expect him to play, though, this week. And Cam Akers is week to week with a rib injury. 
So right now I would say it's Darrell Henderson's job, but who knows whose job is going to be two weeks from now. I still think that Cam Akers starting both games is a little bit telling, but I would agree with you. The injury and his lack of efficiency has not helped him. Um, as far as Miles Sanders, I, I do like how much they gave him the ball. Uh, I feel high on it. It was only a matter of volume and game script that I felt uh, bad about uh, Miles Sanders as a round 180p. I just thought there were better potential bets because I, I wasn't sure what volume he was going to get out of that Eagles offense that loves to use a lot of different running backs. But if they're going to use him like that, um, he's definitely going to pay that off. Uh, all right, Panthers at Buccaneers. Well, hold on one second. One second. Um, can we talk about um, Tyler Higby having three touchdowns and Ben having him on his bench? This is two weeks in a row where Ben has started a, the wrong tight end. So shout out to you, Ben. <laughs> yeah, Ben does have Dallas Goddard and Tyler Higby and can't figure out which one of them to start. Right? So I'm I'm I shouldn't laugh too much because Ben Ben is an experienced owner with a fairly good team who's. Um, sitting at a decent points record and and lost a heartbreaker in week one to, uh, gosh, who was that? Oh, yeah, it was me. Uh, and said right <laughs> after the game that uh, it was only because he started the wrong tight end. But um, honestly, I, I, I you can't really go wrong picking between the two of them. They're both really good tight ends right now. But um, Higby, uh, for as little as he did in week one, he came back with a vengeance in week two and who knows sometimes with tight ends they're so hot and cold well, i'm i i'm giving ben crap because today he rejected a trade proposal that involved a tight end so that's why i'm giving him crap about it oh were you trying to trade for her uh goddard <laughs> we don't need to talk about this let's as the zach Ertz owner i would only <laughs> imagine that you're trading for goddard all right. Anyway, the Buccaneers beat the Panthers at home 31 to 17. The story of the game happens to be the two running backs. Obviously, we've already discussed Leonard Fournette. Um, Christian McCaffrey leaves with a high ankle sprain. He already went on IR, so he's out a minimum of three weeks. Uh, it's expected about four to six weeks, roughly. Um, DJ Moore comes back with a vengeance, a guy who I did have as a resurgent player this week, uh, eight catches, 120 yards, but, uh, Robbie Anderson going over a hundred yards yet again, the only two players in the NFL this season so far with consecutive hundred yard games, Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley, and Robbie Anderson. So the question I have who, for you, though, who would is, have thought? I definitely didn't. Um, <laughs> what do you do without Christian McCaffrey? You hold. You sit tight and hope that you can weather the storm. Um, speaking on our league specifically, um, Christian McCaffrey belongs to Ben, and he will be just fine because um, Ben's got Nick Chubb and Elvin Kamara. So he, he's, he's got an easy decision. You just sit tight. Um, I think for anybody, too, even in redraft, unless you can get somebody really, really good that's near um, Christian McCaffrey's value, you sit tight, hope that you can weather the storm make the playoffs and then um, he's still going to be the guy that'll help you win a championship this year. All right. My basic advice is going to be this. It's going to be my plug. Uh, unless you're playing in a standard public league, because you don't know enough people to have a private league. If your commissioner has not established IR positions for any type of league that you're running, they should be um, impeached. Uh, I mean this quite literally. You have to have IR slots. 
the NFL has a 100% injury rate. Every single player by week three is playing with something. I, it, literally. I mean, Tony Gonzalez said that today on some, I think it was Colin Cowherd's show. But, I mean, come on. You you know injuries gonna are going to happen. This year in particular, where they didn't have uh, enough off-season training to keep guys healthy, keep them worked out, do all of these other things. Who knows what they were doing at home? But it, it's criminal to not have uh, injury viability and try and uh, make things work. So make sure that whatever league you're signing up for has something to do with it. Yes, yeah, some people like myself know how to manipulate it, but that's part of the whole strategy. I, I don't care. So if you're um, Christian McCaffrey owner and you don't have an IR spot, man, does that suck because he's going to be out four to six weeks, but he's coming back. At least with Saquon Barkley, you know he's out for the year. You could cut him. But this is a much worse situation. Now, I will fa- flash forward a little bit and tell you that I do have my waiver wire pickup claims um, uh, article that went out yesterday morning uh, just so that you could make it up in time. I am I know this is coming out a little bit later than that. Uh, so if you didn't have a chance to look at that, the waivers are probably already done for your uh, league right now. But uh, make sure to uh, check the show notes individually that column will be up every week on tuesday morning to make sure that you have the best advice washington at the cardinals quickly uh trying to get through this uh the cardinals win 30 to 15 terry mclaurin picks up a huge day after i benched him in favor of paris campbell it obviously didn't hurt me that was in my office league i still won the game going away because i had Dak prescott nick chubb uh and uh, uh kareem hunt that particular week but still And Kyler Murray throws for 286 yards and a touchdown. He runs for two more scores. Is Christian, or excuse me, the question I have for you is, is Kyler Murray a top five quarterback in fantasy? Um, He's flirting with it. He's flirting with the top five. A little more, um, I want to see week in and week out, but he's most definitely flirting with it. Um, His rushing ability is very, very um, intriguing. Everybody that was projecting him to be this year's Lamar Jackson, I don't know if the rushing is going to be high enough, and I don't think he'll end up as the number one quarterback in fantasy because we have so many really good quarterbacks, but he's a top five quarterback. I, I don't care who else it is. Uh, he will be in the top five by the end of the season. That's that's without a doubt. Again, that's predicated on him not getting hurt, which I don't think he will be. He avoids a lot of shots because um, he knows how to slide and avoid trouble. But still, this guy is running way too much and in too much of a good offense uh, to not be a top five quarterback. Chiefs at Chargers. Clearly the surprise game of my Sunday afternoon. Uh, When I looked up at my lineup and I was down like 17 points to Ed um, going late into the game, and I think this was like the fourth quarter before Mahomes started his um, heroic comeback. And we had three consecutive Harrison Butker field goals of 53, 58, and 58 uh, in order to win the game. Uh, this was the story of my afternoon. Justin Herbert comes in because we only got the news today that apparently Tyrod Taylor, the physician for the team, punctured his lung while shooting up, up with painkillers before the game. Uh, Justin Herbert finds out maybe an hour before the game that he's going to go in as Tyrod Taylor has to go to the emergency room in order to get things fixed uh, up for him, but plays extremely well. Uh, I do want to say that he ends up throwing for 311 yards and a touchdown. 
But the Chiefs obviously come back in overtime to win 23-20 to uh, on the road. Uh, the Chiefs' two uh, worst offensive outputs last season were against the Chargers. So I do want to um, make sure that everybody knows the Chargers are a definite pickup team as far as a defense uh, moving forward. Uh, I picked them up in at least one of my leagues. And uh, I guess the question I have for you is, is this what we can expect from Justin Herbert moving forward? I don't think so, because I don't think the Chiefs' defense is as good as they were last year. I'm not saying that he can't do it. He showed very, he showed a lot of poise in the pocket. He looked like he had a, a very good command of the huddle. Um, it looks like his teammates respect the hell out of him. Um, so I think he has the ability to be a very serviceable quarterback this year in the NFL. Um, but I want to see it against another team uh, other than the Chiefs, because um, I just don't think they're deep. Defenses is all that, that good this year. So I do want to add that the uh, Chargers have the most rushing attempts by a team um, through the first two weeks of the season. They've run a total of 83 different times through two weeks. Uh, they gave 16 carries to Austin Eckler this week uh, after he had 19 carries last week. They also gave 20 plus carries to Josh Kelly. And while uh, his efficiency rating was not great, uh, you do love the volume. Uh, it's something to keep an eye out, but the Chiefs were the Chiefs, and uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, saves them in the end. They're still going to produce for you. I really am not worried. They're getting uh, a titanic matchup on Monday Night Football against the Ravens this week. If anybody is going to stop Patrick Mahomes, it's going to be either the Steelers or the Ravens' defenses this year. The Chargers kind of slowed him down a little bit, but uh, that's going to be my likely game of the week moving forward. All right, uh, Ravens at Texans. Uh, the Ravens win on the road in Houston, 33-16. to It really wasn't even that close. Um, the story of this game was as Lamar Jackson continues his domination uh, of basically the entire NFL. Uh, I think there was a stat during the game that the Ravens have not um, been behind in the second half uh, for, boy, I think at least like 16 weeks, and it's the most since like the early 1900s. Uh, since basically football started. So is Deshaun Watson locked in as a starter anymore for any fantasy team? Man, that's tough. Uh, and I don't think it's his fault either. I just don't think he's got a dependable target. You go from having Nuke as your um, number one wide receiver to Brandon Cooks. And a lot of people like Brandon Cooks. I can tell you I've had Brandon Cooks on one of my fantasy teams one year, and that was enough Brandon Cooks for me. Um, so I... No, I don't think he's a locked him down starter anymore, And but I don't think it's his fault. I would agree with you. I don't feel confident as a locked-in starter. And what by locked-in starter means, um, you know, it's a Patrick Mahomes, a Lamar Jackson, that you set it and forget it type of guy. He used to be, right now I wouldn't say, um, Will Fuller leaves this game. I don't think he was targeted one time during the course of the game. That was a week after he had 18 points uh, in a pretty good performance against the Chiefs. It's just not one that I'm confident in um, as we go ahead. Uh, Patriots at Seahawks, uh, Cam Newton balls out, Russell Wilson balls out, and a highly entertaining game that was a lot of offense. Uh, Julian Edelman has eight catches for 179 yards. Uh, he's the number three re leading receiver in the NFL currently. Uh, Cam Newton throws for almost 400 yards through the air, uh, scores one touchdown through the air, but has uh, two on the ground. Uh, almost had a third, uh, get stopped on the goal line at the end. Chris Carson, 17 carries for 72 yards. 
Um, Russell Wilson doesn't quite have 300 yards, but he does have four passing touchdowns, which equals the amount of passing touchdowns that the Patriots allowed all of last season to uh, wide receivers. So the question for you is, uh, one of those receivers was bullying the defensive player of the year. Is DK Metcalf already a top 10 wide receiver? Yeah, hell fucking yeah. Did you see how he was manhandling um, Gilmore? Like, it was actually something incredible to watch. And watching it actually pissed me off. Not, like, because I'm a Patriot or anything like that. Because I passed on DK Metcalf in the draft. You want to know why? Because I bought into that media bullshit that he can't can't change directions or anything like that. And I just thought, he's just a straight-line runner. No, he is the real fucking deal. And it was impressive to watch. So I'm going to take something on myself and make you feel a little bit better. Uh, Dana offered me last year uh, DK Metcalf and a second round pick for Devin Singletary in order to get him back because he thought it'd be a fair exchange. I said, that's probably too much. And I really don't like Metcalf. So just give me the second round pick. Oh, man. (laughs) I've made some dumb mistakes. I will take that one on the chin. That is deserved. (laughs) <laughs> All right, finally, the last game of the week, uh, Saints at Raiders, another potentially entertaining game. The Raiders come from 10 points behind early in the first half uh, in order to pretty much stop and own the Saints through uh, the second quarter, through the second half. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 27 carries for 88 yards, not great, but or as far as uh, his efficiency. Drew Brees does throw for 300 yards, but um, still a little bit uh, wary of him moving forward. The bigger story was uh, Darren Waller, 12 catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown. Most catches by a tight end since the beginning of last season. The question I have for you, though, is are you scared about the Saints? No, nah, not anymore. I saw a stat um, or heard on the radio or something like that with um, the Saints. Drew Brees has only attempted to throw the ball in the air over 20 yards this year or something, like twice or something. Something like that. Essentially, the stat is Drew Brees – can't push the ball down the field anymore. Um, yeah, he still had 312 yards, but he had 26 completions for on 38 attempts. Um, Drew Brees is not the Drew Brees they used to be. So, no, so yeah, there's no, he doesn't really scare me anymore, and the Saints don't really scare me anymore. I think you and I mean the same thing, but when I say scared of the Saints, it was more of if you're owner of any of these players. Now, my answer is going to be yes and no. If Michael Thomas comes back, Michael Thomas is still a top five wide receiver minimum. You're starting him. Alvin Kamara has played like an absolute champ right now in a top five running back. He has the most points in the league right now. You're starting him. But do I feel confident in Jared Cook, Emmanuel Sanders? Um, Not particularly. If you want a guy while Michael Thomas is out, Uh, I thought I saw a lot of Traquan Smith as the number two, but they're paying Emmanuel Sanders a lot of money. So when Michael Thomas comes back, Traquan Smith is probably the third wide receiver at best. And it's not a guy that I'm highly targeting when you have at minimum three or four pass catchers uh, ahead of him. So am I scared about the Saints offense from a fantasy perspective? Absolutely. I mean, the only person I want in that offense and the in right now is um, Kamara. Obviously, when Michael Thomas is healthy, you want him too. But that would be either way. It wouldn't even matter. Like those would be the only two guys that I would have wanted in that offense anyway. Jared Cook, he's so boomer bust. It wouldn't have been wouldn't have been something that intrigued me. Um, but Josh Jacobs on the other side for Vegas, twenty 
87 carries. He didn't break the 100-yard mark, but still, they're feeding him the rock. Um, a little concern, though, that he only had three catches out of the backfield. Um, you think they would try to incorporate him in the passing game a little bit more? He has um, or would be on pace for about 50 catches this year after the first two weeks and something like 80 targets. I'm not worried because he didn't add anything in the passing game last year, and he's getting a huge amount of volume. As a Josh Jacobs owner in a redraft league, he had three touchdowns last week, and so that was never going to be the norm, but they're going to feed him the ball, and that's what I love. It's more of, is he going to get hurt? He did come out of this game for a minute, and I was a little bit uh, apprehensive, but if he stays healthy, he's an effective back who could be a, a guy that's a top five back by the end of the year. Thank you to everyone listening. We will be back again later this week to break everything down for you. Until then, have a good night, everyone. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.